HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by 100 Bogart Street. Do you need a conference room for your next meeting? Learn more by visiting 100bogart.com. This week, Meet and 3 is taking you to market and all over the world, from Newfoundland to Tunisia. Well, a lot of us think of, you know, the British Empire trading things like spices and sugar and silk. But you write that it actually began with salt cod from Newfoundland. <laughs> there was a port closure in Tunisia, which was horrible. I mean, it was months, boats just setting on the water waiting to go and they couldn't go anywhere. And we'll learn about how markets have changed, whether because of their customers or the climate. A few years ago, something around 10 years, it was totally different. It almost manifests itself to almost smelling like an old fire pit. When you mm-hmm. put it out, it has that sort of charcoal-y smell to it. It's not good for wine. Join us this week on Meet and 3 for our global market tour. And don't forget to subscribe to Meet and 3 wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, August 14th, 2019. This is the 225th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guests are the co-founders of a new limited-edition rosé with Island Inspiration, among their other hospitality ventures, and I will introduce them fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip, and then later we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be your brand 24-7, allowing your personal life to cross with your professional one. Now, back in the day, this tip may have been rare, as keeping work and social separate was more status quo. But today, with the internet and smartphones and social media, it's really hard to divide work and social, so why fight it? Instead, embrace this generation of abundant sharing and realize that you are your business and the authentic you is what people will connect to. So keep it real and be your best brand ambassador. That's my tip today. 
Now, I am thrilled to have my guests here with me in the studio. I have two people. It is, to start, we have Megan Murphy. Hi. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So Megan is a New York-based travel and food journalist whose experience spans media outlets, including Afar, Bon Appetit, Cooking Light, Food and Wine. I could go on and on. She's also an Afar Afar ambassador and co-host of Eat This, Not That weekly podcast. My second guest is Blaine Ashley. Hi, Blaine. Hello. Aloha, I should say. Aloha. Aloha. So Blaine is... Wine Enthusiast was on Wine Enthusiast 40 Under 40 Tastemaker, is a 40 Under 40 Tastemaker, and New York Champagne Week founder, who has a new concept, The Fizz is Female, which shines a spotlight on leading ladies in the bubbly wine biz. And Megan and Blaine have teamed up to launch Loke Rosé, an exclusive Provence wine inspired by Blaine's native home of Hawaii. So welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you, you for having us, Sherry. Thanks for being here. Um, we have so much to talk about so because much. between the two of <laughs> yes. you, your careers, I mean, you've done so much. So I, I was thinking let's hold off a, li- a bit on the rosé mm-hmm. and talk a bit about your careers, how you got started in hospitality and then met uh, and brought you guys together. So Blaine, do you want to start? Sure. Uh, I was working in a French restaurant in Hawaii. Uh, one of the most renowned restaurants on the island, known for its proposals. It was beachfront, which is very rare in Hawaii. Which island? Um, Oahu. Okay. So I'm from Oahu, which is where the capital is of Honolulu. And the restaurant was Michelle's, and it had a very acclaimed French wine list. At the time, I didn't drink wine at all. I was in college. <laughs> and But I was very romanticized by the French wine culture through that restaurant. And the whole experience was just amazing. Uh, that led me to opening up the W Hotel Honolulu, uh, which their second property was actually in, in Oahu. And Diamond Head shared a parking lot with Michelle's restaurant. And the founder came over to the restaurant and had me come over and be his VIP girl <laughs> for the nightclub. <laughs> oh wow! I'm 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 smiling because I'm thinking when I was in Hawaii. Oh, I went to the Hawaii Food and Wine Festival maybe seven or eight years ago. Yeah, and I stayed there. Yeah, when it was a W. <laughs> The W, yeah. Yeah, so, um, I mean, really, they were kind of the pioneers of the boutique hotel culture and, like, the boutique um, hotel nightlife culture, and, and at least as far as I know. I mean, this is 2003. So it was just the place to be. Pearl Harbor had just filmed. Lost was filming. Baywatch was filming. Like, all these major, like, stars for us were coming into this place, and I was getting to sit at the front and be their little VIP door girl. Oh, wow. So I took the... I've always been very entrepreneurial, and I... Um, I, they were putting me in fashion shows that they were planning and events and having me like kind of be talent. And at one point I was just like, I can plan these for you. I can, I can do events for you. So I just kind of took it into my own accord and started to plan events for the nightclub, which was called the Wonder Lounge. In fact, they brought over a lot of staff from the Limelight from New York back oh, in the wow. day to like open up this club. Yeah. <laughs> so they brought in like all these promoters and DJs and like door staff to like be involved in this launch of the Wonder Lounge. So that was my entree into the business. Um, 
to speed it up, I then was connected to both Hope Living and Modern Luxury when they first launched their print publications in Oahu. And then further down the line, I was on the turn of their digital um, conversions and I helped with their nightlife coverage events. I was just like kind of like the nightlife a charity event right. coverage girl. And it was just an awesome time to be in Hawaii at the turn of all these things launching in an, a small island where I could expand my network really fast. Great. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll come back to how, yeah. you, how you came to New York. Um, <laughs> what about you, Megan? Well, so I went to school for journalism and communications and started in advertising before I got into publishing. And I was writing at Condé Nast for Brides Magazine, and it was an amazing opportunity, don't get me wrong, but I was not, like, bridal wasn't exactly my thing. All this fluffy, perfect day language, it just kind of was like, you know what, if I'm going to be writing every day, I want it to be something that I'm super passionate about and super into, and I love food. And um, my mom is an amazing home cook, and I love, like, cooking with my grandma for the holidays and all the best memories of my life so far have really been centered around food, the table, you know, people that you love and your family and friends and holidays and birthdays and food is at the center of it all. And when I was in college, I studied abroad in Florence, Italy. And that really just opened up my eyes uh, to the, the culture of food, like traveling throughout Italy, like all oh, these regional dishes and pasta up here is different than pasta down there and the wines. And it kind of just really opened my eyes and traveling all around Europe. And I said, you know, this is, this is great. Like I want to be in this world, but I'm writing for Brides Magazine, which was again, wonderful opportunity. So on the side, I started, I was like, how can I be in like the food world as a writer um, but keep, keep my job because I need to pay rent as a young person in New York City. So I started taking all these um, cooking classes and wine classes through Institute of Culinary Education, French Culinary, and I was very close to going back and getting my culinary degree, but I didn't really want to be back of house, and I didn't want to be like $60,000 in debt. <laughs> so I started kind of just writing for different blogs. Blogs were just starting to become a thing like 12 years ago, 10 years ago. And I started writing for this woman named Andrea Strong. She had one of the first, like, big New York food blogs called The Strong Buzz. Of course. Yes. And of course. she would kind of send me out to cover restaurant openings and events, and I loved it. I loved going to these events and connecting with like-minded people, meeting chefs, meeting winemakers. I just, I loved that scene. I said, okay, so on the side, I can do this and I can hustle and I could create, a, you know, build my portfolio up of food clips. I started writing for Clean Plates, um, doing all the restaurant reviews for their Manhattan and their Brooklyn guidebooks for a few years. And then just from that, I, I kind of started my blog, This Girl Can Eat, about almost 10 years ago now. So did you start the, that, that was before social media yeah because you have the handle this girl can eat you had the blog first yeah I was actually a late adopter to Instagram but yeah way before maybe about 10 years ago my boyfriend at the time Jack we're still good friends he's in the industry as well (laughs) he said I've never met a girl that loved food more than you And, and he bought me the URL this girl can eat he said just do it on your own you're writing for all these other blogs do it for yourself and I said all right I didn't want to like put myself out there but I said all right you know I'm gonna do it And it really was an amazing launching pad for everything I've been doing since. I started writing 
at Cooking Light for food and wine. I had a job at Bon Appetit for a while. I started being really involved in, in food events and started judging culinary competitions all over. And it, it's led to an awesome career. Now I'm freelance again with all basically food, wine, and travel, which all go hand in hand. It really does. I, I don't remember when I met either of you first. Yeah, yeah we met just years ago, right? Been in the sea. And <laughs> after the show, though, I don't know if we've ever talked about Florence, because I did a semester yes. in Florence, too. But we'll have to reminisce the together. Ever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was fabulous. So... So you were, you were, you've been in New York. You, were you, were you raised I here? grew up in New Jersey, okay. so about an hour outside the city. Um, my parents were still in the house I grew up in, and I'm from a big, large Italian, Irish family, and, and food and drink is pretty yeah. much everything we knew. So after college, I went to school in New England and was in Florence for a little bit, and then I came right to New York, went into advertising, and then got into publishing. So I've been yeah. here ever since, yeah. Yeah, and your bylines, it's amazing what you've, what you've oh, done as a writer. thank you. Really. I, I have so much more to go, but I've <laughs> been having a really good time, and I think Blaine's the same way. Like, we never shut off as entrepreneurs. Like, yeah, you said your, your PR tip, be your brand. I feel like the This Girl Can Eat or you know, Champagne Blaine, or we have these kind of like <laughs> right. pseudo identities. It's, it's become who we are, our identities. We never shut off, but it's exciting. And it's exciting to have so many jobs and have our little low-key rosé side hustle and do events here and travel right. there. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was I was definitely inspired by you guys when I wrote that tip. Oh, we're inspired <laughs> by you too, Sherry. Thank you. Boss babe over here. Aww, so sweet. <laughs> So, Blaine, you're you're in Hawaii. You're yeah. now managing all these events and writing for Whole Living and Modern Luxury Hawaii divisions. Okay. Um, uh, so, I was hobnobbing with a lot. Hawaii was hot. I mean, it is hot. It's always hot. But um, are you talking temperature, or are you just uh, like both? Hotness? Well, it's actually <laughs> eighty boat. and breezy most of the year, yeah, so it's beautiful. not like this in the summer. <laughs> um, but uh, it was just like on fire. I think with all the movies and the TV shows that we're filming and everything like that. And um, I was just in the right place at the right time, and I was willing to like put the work in. So. Um, you know, I started meeting a lot of people from New York, and because Hope Living and Modern Luxury were based in New York, and the W, the owner who had met me, was based in New York, I really had the ties. And in particular, uh, one weekend when I was kind of thinking about doing my own online uh, forum, similar to maybe an eater.com, citysip.com. I remember Citysip. <laughs> that's how yeah. I met you. Yeah. That is how, yeah. how we met initially, yeah. but at some... So yeah. do you remember City Search? Of course. So it was kind oh. of a hybrid... I've been in this game a while. <laughs> yeah. So it was kind of a hybrid of City Search slash eater.com, which didn't exist then. Um, I, I, this was in 2010, very early in 2010. And the idea was to have cocktail coverage. It was the golden age of the cocktail. I was meeting all these amazing spirits people because of the events I was doing for the magazines and for the hotel. We had sponsors. So I met sponsors. I met mixologists, quote unquote. I met Dale DeGroff, Julie Reiner, who I had never known when I lived in Hawaii, but Hawaii. I met in Hawaii at an event, Tony Abu Ghanem, Simon Ford. I met all these great people. And I just felt like I needed to do something similar to the haltliving.com concept, which was fresh at the time, and make it about spirits and cocktail culture, but have my advertising not be pay per click, <laughs> but events, because I knew how to throw an event. So the idea was I would come up with custom concepts for spirits brands to then sponsor and to throw these big parties. So like all 
like a lot of good stories. I followed a boy here and <laughs> we broke up within three weeks, but I had had the guts to go from Hawaii to uh, New York right. and start this venture. And I remember Dale DeGroff was one of my first, like he did a, what do you call it? The, what, I can't think of the word when you, when you do, like you sign off on someone, you give them a like a endorsement? Endorsement. 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 So on my website, Dale DeGroff did an endorsement. Tony, Tony Abugana and Julie Reiner, I got them all to do endorsements. So I was able to use this network I had gained in Hawaii to launch pad here in New York to start citysip.com. And it was amazing. But quickly, within a year, really the con- maybe two years, the event kind of the content faltered and the events took over and it became a full-blown events and experiential marketing company so yeah and then you've you I mean when did you launch I'm jumping ahead a bit but when do you you launch champagne week uh so 2013 I launched champagne week so in 2012 so two years after I launched shitty sip and moved to New York uh I had a champagne ambassador from France reach out to me to ask me to promote his grower champagnes and help him find some clearinghouse opportunities for champagnes that didn't have importing here. And I just went for it. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, fast forward to June 2013, I did a lot of work with Sopexa. I was still writing a column called Jet Set Sip for Destinations Travel and a column called Sipton Scene for Tasting Panel. So I was still traveling on press trips and Sopexa had me go to a lot of things for them and they invited me to Burgundy at the end of June 2013. I gave up my apartment started messaging people all over France to see if I could come visit them, went to Bordeaux to Vin Expo, did not know what I was doing there, met this guy named Osme, who was open opening a champagne bar in an opera house in Sweden, and he invited me to walk Vin Expo, the show with him. But he's like, but we're only drinking champagne. And I was like, okay. So I started meeting all these champagne producers that I thought were incredible, and mind you, grower champagnes were not what they are today. This is 2013. We were not seeing the this grower movement that we are today or even like a couple of years ago. Yeah. So I'm like, I will help you. And I'm like, and then Champagne Week was born. Such good stories. Yes. It's awesome. So <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I came back from that trip wanting to do it. Came back from a June month-long trip. Came back wanting to do it. My mentor at the time was like, you're crazy. You need to wait a year. I'm like, if I wait a year, someone else will do it. No, I didn't wait a year. I did it. The next year, he said, I told you last year to wait a year. This year, I tell you, expand, expand, expand. There you go. Good for you. Yes. (laughs) On that note, let's take a little break, and we will come back, and we're going to talk about your rosé. Stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode was brought to you by 100 Bogart, a new building in Bushwick, Brooklyn, with meeting and event spaces available for on-demand booking. Looking for the next perfect outdoor location for your next gathering? Host your next event at 100 Bogart's impressive rooftop, just steps away from the Morgan L-Stop. 
It's one of the largest and tallest roof spaces in Bushwick, boasting 360-degree views of Brooklyn, Manhattan, and Queens. 100 Bogart's Rooftop is available for your next networking event, fundraiser, special performance, or photo shoot. There's approximately 5,000 square feet, ample space for up to 100 guests. For more information on hosting an event at 100 Bogart's Rooftop, email info at 100bogart.com or call 718-362-3539. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guests today are Megan Murphy and Blaine Ashley, and they are the co-founders of Look A Rose, a new limited edition rosé with an island inspiration twist. And our first question is, am I saying the name right? Loke, it rhymes with rosé, so you're doing perfect. Okay, <laughs> because the... L-O-K-E, has, the E has the bar over mm-hmm. it, and I don't know really what you yeah, do Yeah, some people say low or low-key, which low-key is cool because our brand low-key. is low-key, yeah. Yeah. but yeah. it's low-key rosé. It rhymes, so it's okay. easy to remember. Low-key rosé. So you're doing fabulous, Sherry. Fabulous. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so how did you, I mean, well, how did you meet or come to the decision that you were going to be business partners uh, I don't know if, I mean, it sounds like you probably met in the, this hospitality industry circuit like we all met, but I mean, to make a decision to that you're going to go into business and create your, your own wine, that's yeah. a, it's a big um, decision. Well, we met through Jack, <laughs> who okay. had, uh, had um, encouraged Megan to do This Girl Can Eat, and I had worked with Jack a lot with Palm Bay International. He was at Palm Bay International, and I've done a lot of events with Palm Bay International through the days. Still, to this day, we work together quite a bit. And, um, yeah, we met pretty much when I moved here, like nine yeah, years ago. we just came buddies. Yeah, we came buddies. buddies. And, you know, we had talked about potentially uh, working together somehow and I would always we would always kind of bounce ideas off of each other and nothing ever really came to light and then when I was in Hawaii as I do often as possible (laughs) um, I was in Hawaii for the holidays and I just had this like aha moment at like 2 a.m and that's when most of my good ideas happen and I like jet out of bed perfectly sound asleep jet out of bed with this idea for um introducing a rosé that's like paradise in a glass liquid aloha and I get to the google and I like it's the middle of the night and I message Megan and I was like I'm back next week and I finally have an idea that we can do together and we need to do lunch yeah and we need to do lunch like ASAP I'm back on the 16th or whatever it probably it was like the 16th and um she's like you're like okay and I kind of told you about it and whatever whatever but I just knew Megan would be a really good partner for this concept because and and co-founder really because I knew that she would be able to bring to life the visual aspect of what I was dreaming up in my head and the social media capabilities to spread the word about this kind of really marketable idea and um we always joke like I'm like more like the big idea like I'm a little bit sloppy and Megan's like eagle eye and she's like really good at the details and stuff (laughs) like copywriting background yeah the copywriting (laughs) so Megan um you connected us with Abby for the design which was yeah so when I worked at 
Condé Nast. I was the writer, and the same day I started there, Abby Downing was the designer, and she's fantastic. She's become one of my best friends and one of our friends. And so when Blaine came to me with this idea, we actually drank probably a lot of wine, ate some pasta. We were at La Picora Bianca, right? (laughs) And after this boozy lunch, we're like, yay, we're going to launch a rosé. And we just kind of figured out a way to make it happen after that, which was amazing. But then branding is so much. We know we wanted... A beautiful rosé from Provence. We think they're still the best in the world. And a few years ago, they were definitely leading the marketplace for sure. And then we're such visual people. We needed a great label and design. And so Abby was a no-brainer. She brought the vision of Hawaii, Blaine's hometown, to life on the bottle. And I think it's so lovely. We get compliments all the time. It is. So if anyone needs a great designer, <laughs> abbydowning.com. But um, yeah, she's she's wonderful, and she's really almost like our third leg in this yeah, brand. Yeah, absolutely. And she's become this. a third leg in all of my businesses. Yeah. I've now had her take over the collateral and the design for everything I do. If it's this female New York Champagne Week any other random little side projects I have. Like she's made um, my visions come to life, which I've worked with countless designers and I haven't had that experience before. So that's been really amazing. And also um, the food element was very important to me right off the bat because I wanted the rosé to be able to stand up. I wanted it to be a classic provincial rosé, but to stand up to items like Kahlua pig that are so big in Hawaii Mm -hmm. like people think fish but no we've got mac salad rice chicken katsu like pig like I really wanted it to be a complimentary food wine so again Mm -hmm. with Megan involved like having the chef ties was a huge thing for us and is a huge thing for us yeah so how did you actually find a like produce it you know find create the the flavor profile yeah so um Luckily, because my bread and butter is consulting wine brands and doing events, but also helping with brand launches. And, you know, I work with several different wine uh, producers throughout the year. And I had some access to some people and I had already done the champagne. So I had Right. A, you had the connections. Yeah. I had a model that I wanted to work with. And I found I reached out to several people um this process took a little longer than most of the things that I've done individually because I have a second hat we have a we're a team so it's like I don't want to just put it out there and like have it like work or not but we tasted through several roses and spoke to several several different brokers houses that might want to team up with like um a collaboration label so it's more of a collaboration label than anything else we don't we don't make the wine. However, we make sure the wine comes from a great source and is farmer wines. Like we're not like chemical Latin, um, you know, mass produced wine at all. We were in Cote de Protégé, which is a beautiful part of Cote de Provence. So we just found partners. We found brokers, suppliers, importers really willing to, to take a bet on us, I guess. But we market, promote, sell the wine, just the two of us. We're it. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) And what markets are you in now? So right now we're in the the tri-state area for sure. We're in North Jersey, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Hamptons, um, Connecticut. We're in D.C. We're going to be announcing some D.C. partnerships soon. So. Yeah. yeah, exciting. Yes, I have some exciting. clients in D.C. Oh, so. we have to come. Yeah, talk I would about say DC. I would say one of the 
more, um, maybe we want our ultimate goal is to be in Hawaii. And we have the interest, of course, with restaurants and bars Mm -hmm. and my network and Megan has a network with her travel and food writing. However, you know, that's been one of our biggest um, frustrations that this stuff takes so long, like the distribution, state to state, the laws and the distribution. And you have to find a different distributor based on the state. So we're learning every day. It's challenges of the industry, but we're, we're navigating it. Yeah. Well, this is a good segue into my question (laughs) from last week. So on episode 224, I had on Jasmine Moy. She's a hospitality lawyer. And I asked her to ask you guys a question. So here it is. You know, not to be too on brand, but from a legal perspective, uh, I guess I just want to know what the hardest part of development was um, from a legal perspective. Uh, I do know that they're I don't work in retail products and I don't work in alcohol, but very curious to find out, um, you know, what hurdles they had to maybe jump over as far as finding distributors, storage, sale across state lines, labeling, things like that. There are so many legal things involved with that that I don't know anything about. So um, would be curious to find how they dealt with that process, whether that was a, you know, enjoyable or easy process for them, whether it was difficult for them. I mean, it, it was super fun. It was super fun. It was fabulous. It's I'm not the literal- most fun part yeah. of this brand. However. I'm literally LOLing right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, thanks, Jasmine. <laughs> uh, so actually, we're pretty fortunate, and I've been fortunate with my private labeling and the fact that the label process, the label approval process, has been pretty smooth. I was actually just talking to a friend the other day, and she's like, "They are like." not letting us do it because of this and they want us to change this and I'm like oh we're so lucky because we actually didn't have that issue however uh, I would say uh, I'm gonna let you answer too and we can both talk about this but like our my biggest frustration is the fact that um the importing at the importing process and I mean from Europe to the U.S. is still very archaic, and um, the laws are still very archaic. So it's just a bit of a frustration because there's always a holdup. Uh, you know, we can get hold up, held up in customs or something. A letter is off, and it holds up our distribution for can be up to yeah. months at a time. Or there was a government shutdown in France oh, earlier yeah. this year, so that delayed our first shipment here. And it was, you know, Blaine and I had all these people ready for their first shipment of wine, and then we have to go back and tell them. Actually, both government shutdowns affected our timeline. Yeah, yeah. We were were delayed multiple times. Multiple times. (laughs) I love that you guys have good attitudes about this because... uh, There's been some ups and downs. Yeah, Yeah, this wine in general has been the biggest roller coaster professionally I've ever gone through. There's the highest highs, like you're walking on a cloud, so happy, you're like... Working with Julie Reiner or Nick Ander or you're getting your wine in these amazing restaurants and Gary Vee is selecting your wine for his wine club. And then five minutes later, you hear about some six-week delay of product and you just, it's frustrating. But I think that's all part of it, dealing with international business and it's, it's navigating all of that and setting expectations. But what we've come to understand is we're not the only ones facing these challenges. So a lot of these restaurateurs, chefs, sommeliers, they're used to it, especially from France or mm-hmm. Italy or wherever yeah, they're dealing with. Yeah, it's definitely, so it's I mean, I can't tell course. you, yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've done Champagne Week and we've had to, like, 
like DHL champagne because there's an issue yeah. somewhere. So I launched last I, year. Yeah. I definitely was a little bit more used to it, but then when it affects your bottom line or like we start losing money, we're like, ha, we can't. <laughs> we, right, we designed this this business model to be very like low risk so we can't really afford any any mistakes and unfortunately not everything's in our control but right, when yes. when it is things go great things go wonderful <laughs> yeah so what is, what advice would you give to someone who's thinking of maybe launching their own wine or you know what have what have you learned or lesson learned along the way or something like a tip you would you would say or something you didn't know I mean, I would just say stay the course and expect the unexpected yes. and be be able and capable to roll with it and come up with solutions, be solution-minded. I mean, I think that just goes for any business. I don't mm-hmm. think it's just wine. I mean, you're constantly navigating an unknown terrain. You can have things planned, but really everything's out of your control. <laughs> so you can control as much as you can, but yeah. to a certain degree, you just have to be willing to ride the tide. And especially in wine, <laughs> it's one True. of those things that every year, like... Um, you know, two years mm-hmm. ago when we launched, it was a horrible weather weather year, mm-hmm. weather summer in New York. I mean, it was like raining like all the weekends. And so yeah. you don't expect that. Or France had a, a drought. And so that affects the grapes and the flavor. And you don't, you can't predict everything. So you just really have to be open-minded and roll with it, like Blaine said. Yeah. yeah. And it, one more question before we take a break. As far as limited edition, how is it, are you only producing a certain amount? Yeah, we only produce around 500 cases a okay. season. Oh, so it's a, oh, but it's it's it will be back next season. Oh, we're planning on it. Okay, yeah. okay. So it's a seasonal. That's how it's limited. Yeah, okay. unless um, you know we have <laughs> crazy, crazy things that happen that are unforeseen. Got it. Which that's what we come to learn. To be honest, you know, it's like you just never know what's going to happen. But we are a little, you know, we're very aware of the direction the rosé. Uh, market is going and in New York it's completely saturated and darker rosés are becoming more popular and um, you know other regions are becoming more accepted and and people are getting more into other like like interesting regions like Hungary and Georgia and you know it's not all about French wine anymore so um, yeah we want to be able to stay uh, ahead of the curve and set trends and be on top of our games as kind of ambassadors for food and drink I think so that's the goal yeah rosé has changed a lot even in the three four years we started this product it's like you blink and every celebrity reality star has their own rosé and it's kind of you know there's so many great Mm -hmm. products out there so it's really about the story and people have loved the story of Blaine and I coming together and our backgrounds in the food and wine industry but it is setting ourselves apart. And I think the Hawaii angle really does that. Yeah, but we have it, a lot of fun, like, bringing to life the Hawaii angle. Yeah, yeah well, sure. kudos to both of you. Thank I'm you. Very Thank impressed. You. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful rosé. Thank you. Okay, let's take another break, and we will come back, and we'll play my speed round game and talk a little industry news. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. Hi, my name is Sam Ben Ruby, and I'm the host of The Grape Nation on Heritage Radio Network. With this show, we bring wine to the people. 
Each week, we bring the best guests in wine on, taste different wines on air, and invite our listeners to taste with us. You'll find our approach to wine decidedly unsnobby. You can find The Grape Nation wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. My guests today are Megan Murphy and Blaine Ashley, and it is time for my speed round game. Woohoo! I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so what this is, is I'm going to name two or more things, and you got to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. That's my sample one. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here we go. Eat in or eat out? Who's going first? All right, I'll go first. We'll do Blaine uh, and then Megan. Okay. Well, eat out. <laughs> I would say eat out. I eat out a lot, though, so the nights when I can cook in, I really enjoy yeah, it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> but how can I say no to, like, a Michelin How restaurant? can you say no? <laughs> no to going out, exactly. How can you say no? <laughs> Especially if I'm not paying for it. <laughs> I hear you. Okay, wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? <laughs> wine. Wine. Just... Maybe cocktail before wine or bubbly before wine, but all of it. <laughs> all <of> the above. <laughs> nice combo. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. A la carte, for sure. Small plates or large plates? Small plates for me. <laughs> Do you mean like the dishware or the actual food? It's a first. Uh, <laughs> this is a classic Megan I've been, question. I've been doing the show for a long time and I love firsts. Well, um, because some and people You can love. interpret however you yeah. want. Um, how much food? I mean, large plates. Okay, <laughs> large, Megan, and large is, quantities of food. This is one of our differentiators. I'm always small plate. Megan's always like, like, like I want tiny little food. She's <laughs> like, let me eat salad with seaweed on top of it. I'm like, give me the pasta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and before I mean, you guys are well. You're. We'll see how how much okay. you still um, you still have the same answers. Okay, communal table or chef's counter. I would probably like the communal table because I like to talk to random people. I like the chef's counter. I want to see all the action in the kitchen. <laughs> Tipping or all-inclusive charge? I like to tip because I feel like I want to set the benchmark for what I feel is a service I received or if they're a friend, take care of them. <laughs> yeah. I definitely am an over-tipper, but I appreciate the hospitality-included restaurants my Danny Myers started that in New York and I just you don't have to think especially if you've had a lot of wine you don't have to think and I really like <laughs> how they it's a good way to take care of back of house and front of the house all equally so it's kind of just all yeah. on one page I, yeah. I don't get me that. wrong I like it when I get the bill yeah, yeah. <laughs> and when I remember oh, yeah. I have <laughs> but you know for the most part it's okay. nice to a few more red white pink or bubbly bubbly I mean that's my first love champagne yeah. I guess I could say beige. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Beige-ish. Bubbly-ish. Bubbly and rosé. They're, t- they're tied for me. Okay. Event, podcast, or wine production? Uh, wine production. I like the live, uh, interactive aspect of this business. Event. I'm an events girl. I love going to them. I love being part of them. Bring it on. Cool. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate for me. 
oh my god don't make me pick i want the cheese <laughs> then i want the dessert then i want more cheese for dessert i, I can't pick all right I'm you're, on you're like a big on the both in <laughs> a la- on, on a large plate on a very large <laughs> plate on a platter i want them on a platter manhattan or brooklyn manhattan for me yeah I used to live in Brooklyn. I miss Brooklyn a lot. So I'd say Brooklyn. It's got a little more grit, a little more personality for me. Awesome. That's the game. That oh, fun. I want to do more. Yeah. <laughs> I like the game. Oh, give, give us more. Give more. us more. I have to make a longer list. I've been doing these in my, my, so fun. my standard fun. ones with a few, few uh, you know, bonus twists in there. It reminds me of like young love. Like, this is what I did when I was young and in love. I'd be like, blue, what's your favorite color? Blue or red? Like, you go through, like, the list. Of, I don't know if you, did you guys not do that? No, but I was, <laughs> I, I, I was, uh, after the show once, I was on the train with one of my, um, leaving with uh, a guest, and we were, like, playing this game on the guest, where she's like, pasta or pizza? And, like, we're, yeah. like, going oh, yeah. back and forth and just, just. It's hard um, to decide yeah, between yeah. those. Those are like my two big loves in life. <laughs> yeah, well, but that was fun. Okay, so for industry news, I just picked out an article that was in the New York Times, uh, the restaurant review that came out online yesterday and in today's paper, and this is by Pete Wells, and it's on pastis, and he gave it two stars, and it says, back to pastis for a second helping of nostalgia, and it I don't know. Everyone everyone knows pastis, yeah. I think, if you've lived in New York. And I I went back um, by myself, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. What you and eat? I had the mussels okay. and fritz. Nice. Fabulous. 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 Oh and okay. the staff the, was so welcoming. I had a really wonderful experience. I was, I was like, people should go. I yeah. love this new bring back of the pastis. I, so I was happy. They got two stars. I think it's, you know, well-deserved. I agree. I, I used to go to the old one. I, you know, when I was like 22, 23, I just felt like it was cool New York. It was sceny. Mm-hmm. It was like downtown where to be. I felt very adult, very New York. Um, I went back about a month ago, and I would almost think that the food was better this yeah. time around. It's a little bit more casual. Maybe that's the Stephen Starr influence, but... I really enjoyed it, and I can't wait to go back and eat more. What like, did you get? So I had the burger, American, okay. and my fries were really good. Pete Wells said, you know, maybe you could have the crispy ones, or maybe they were oilier or a little soggy. Um, he got both, I believe. My fries were on point. Mine were, well, mine right? were great. With the, yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. and the frites are good. Um, my dining companion had the steak frites. Um, so I definitely want to go back for some of the seafood, some of the desserts. I mean... The escargot I yes. want to go back for. I, yeah, absolutely. I, like um, I haven't go. been to the, the reopening yet. Uh, however, I, I lived in New York in my early 20s for a blip. And I went there a lot. I was yeah. in the fashion world then, and it was the place to be. Totally. And tons of celebrities. But I would be very interested to check out the wine list now mm-hmm. that Steven Starr is really mm-hmm. heading that up because I think he's been very progressive with his wine ventures in his lists. And um, I'd like to see kind of how it's a little bit more put in the hands of the future uh, than what it was before. And mm-hmm. I imagine it's a little bit intricate and interesting and global uh, I also want to try the escargot and I loved that he did the comparison with brasserie lip in yes, that article yeah, because yeah. that is my favorite that's the place I go every single time I'm in Paris and I either have the steak frites or the um, steak tartare and I always go in the back and have some champagne and I literally stay around that area just to hang out at brasserie lip so 
it it's yeah. cool that he did that comparison, but I'd like to see, you know, how it's morphed and changed and yeah. All right, yeah. the three of us need a date there. Yeah, very soon. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Let's order <No>. everything. <laughs> and, yeah, because I had, you know, I have memories going to the the first original one too and I I, I mean, I remember going and, and liking it, yeah. but not really, I th- guess not feeling as connected. Like mm-hmm. this one, I felt very connected and very much like, I want to come back here. Yeah. And I think it's hard to, I mean, it's challenging to bring back a, a restaurant yeah. that was so popular. So iconic in New yeah. York. Absolutely. And this is Keith McNally. And yeah, when you, as you mentioned, he's partnered now with Steven Starr. So it's, um, it seems to be a good partnership for them. Yeah, interesting one. But I, I think it, yeah, I would like to go back. And I think that because of it was such a scene then, mm-hmm. and maybe it wasn't about the food as much, and now people are, like, right. putting more emphasis on the food because it's not really about this. Well, it's definitely a scene still. still huh? It's still a scene, <laughs> but I think the food... Yeah. And well, you'll have but to report back about the drinks. I, yeah. I mean, meatpacking, though, in early 2000s was, like, it. <laughs> right. The neighborhood has certainly changed. He, he noted on that, too. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so we'll set a date and yeah, <laughs> we'll, order, we'll order everything on the biggest plates they have. Well, I need to be, be the fry tiebreaker. <laughs> awesome. Okay, we're going to take one more break and we're going to come back. I have my solo dining experience and we'll have the final question. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This is Only Industry and Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So this week, it's at Field Trip. The location, 109 Malcolm X Boulevard, Harlem, New York. The concept, counter service eatery preparing rice bowls made with heirloom, grains, and global ingredients where rice is culture. The chef and owner, J.J. Johnson. Yeah, JJ. So why did I go? Because it's JJ Johnson. He opened a new place in Harlem. So of course I had to make a field trip up there. My experience. So it was uh, last Friday. Um, I actually, I'm working with a new restaurant that just opened in Harlem yesterday. It's called Reverence. And this is chef owner Russell Jackson's new tasting menu only restaurant. And I was up there on Friday. We had a photo shoot. And afterward, uh, I... When, and I did a little work at a neighborhood coffee shop, and then I walked down to JJ's place. It was about a 20-minute walk away. 
And I walked in and JJ was behind the counter cooking. So, so excited he was there. Uh, I ordered at, it's a counter service. I ordered at the counter. Um, they said they'd text me when my order was ready. And so I sat down at a table. It took less than five minutes and uh, I had my food. So what did I get? I had their bowl with salmon. It had China black rice, pineapple, edamame, and peri-peri sauce. And JJ also brought over to me a side of the yucca puffs, and I had a little time to catch up with him, which was great. So my take, it was a really wonderfully delicious bowl. Um, once I got down into the rice and was really mixing it up, that's where it was. I was like, this is what you got to do. You got to like stir it up and get all those flavors. But it was, it was, it was great. So the ambiance, it's a fast, it's a fast casual. It's like a counter space. It has an open kitchen in the front. There's some tables, uh, standing room only, I guess, tables in the front. And in the back, there are seats along the wall. And, and tables. I think it seats probably about 20. I'd say it's perfect for going solo or friends for a casual meal. Interesting tidbit. So Field Trip is a community-based dining experience that celebrates culture through the shared experience of rice, born out of JJ's realization that rice connects us and can be found at the center of tables in almost every community. Personal fun fact, go check out episode 209 here on All in the Industry because Chef J.J. Johnson was my guest. The cost of my meal was $15.45. That is including everything. Would I go back? Yes, I would. And their website's fieldtripnyc.com. There you go. There you go. Can't wait to check that out. We love J.J. J.J. as well. He's the best. Yeah. Yeah, I'm happy for him. It was... uh, you know, so nice. I mean, obviously, you always want the chef to be there and and to 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 see them cooking and a part of it. And I know it's his his new baby, so of course mm-hmm. he's there. But it was like it was really a treat to That's to spend great. some time with him. And um, yeah, I wish him the best. Absolutely, Harlem too. Harlem's happening. Harlem is happening <laughs> for sure. Okay, so it's time for the final question. My next guest is Scott Conant. Scott is a chef, entrepreneur, TV personality. He now has restaurants uh, in he, in Phoenix, Arizona. Is Mora Italian? He's got uh, Celio Steak in the Catskills. He's got a signature line of Italian products. He's had restaurants in New York, and he's a judge on Chopped on the Food Network. And he's more TV, and he's done a lot. We all know Scott. Yeah, <laughs> we know, and also Scott. I mean, I feel I've gotten to know him over the years just from going to so many events. Absolutely. He's an event guy. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So what would you guys like to ask him? This is Megan. Well, I love Scott. He's great. He's one of my industry favorites. So first of all, how the hell are you, Scott? Because I haven't seen you (laughs) in a while. Um, But secondly, I would love to know what is one of the most memorable, like blew you away dining experiences that you've had recently and why? Oh, that's a good question. You got anything? Yeah, I got something. Um, I'm always working on work-life balance, and I'm all about uh, the reset. (laughs) So my question is, and especially being from Hawaii where I get to reset, luckily I get to go home often, is how do you reset and take a break? What's your reprieve in this line of work, especially as you keep piling projects onto your plate? Pun intended. Another good, good question. Good yeah, they're, they're both good questions. I'm excited to see what, how he answers yeah. them. Because, yeah, I don't, I don't know how he does it all. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I mean, I think I met him when I first moved here. So it was just Scarpetta as far as mm-hmm. I knew back then. And so quite the repertoire. 
that's right. been built since. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's the show. Molly, we could chat all day. This was so okay, fun. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. We should teach you something. Um, thank you in Hawaiian is mahalo. Mahalo. <laughs> People actually see it on trash cans in Hawaii, and they think it means trash can. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I've, 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 yes, I've, mahalo. It's a good. It's yep. a good one. Mm-hmm. I also will note. I in my on that trip. I that I I took to Hawaii. I I also went to Maui. Yes. And. I was I was thinking, how can I have a second office in Maui? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fell in love with it. I was like, I want to move here. This place is gorgeous. Hotel PR. So, let's figure it out. All we'll, right. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss that over our dinner at, at Pestis. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations to both of you. You both have had amazing careers, and I love this collaboration, and I wish you just continued success. Thank Thank you, you you too. And just wanted to say congrats again on your milestones. We had so much fun being one of the featured wines at your party a couple weeks ago at the William Vale. It was wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being a part of it. You guys, you were, it was the perfect, it was the perfect libation to have on our rooftop soiree. It was a hot summer night. Yeah. It was perfect. Hot girl summer. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, fabulous. So thank you. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. So my guests today have been food and travel journalist Megan Murphy. She's at This Girl Can Eat and New York Champagne Week founder Blaine Ashley at Flash at Blaine Ashley um, at Fizz is Female. You also use at Pompeii, New York, NY? Not so much. You have a lot. <laughs> I, have, I have more. Wait till you see what I'm uh, about to say. Champagne Blaine would be at the champagne one to Blaine. follow for yeah. Champagne Week. Okay. And then, yeah. At Champagne Blaine at Blaine Ashley underscore. At the Fizz's female. At Lokerose. At Lokerose. At Because they're the co-founders of Lokerose, which we've been talking about. So go check that out. And here's my mouthful. I'm at Sherry Payer. I'm at Bayer PR. I'm at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. I have websites, BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. So you can find me at a lot of places. And at Heritage Radio, we're at heritageradionetwork.org. All of our shows are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. So you can listen to us anywhere, anytime. Thanks to my engineer today, Amanda. Thanks again to Megan and Blaine. And that's a wrap. This was episode 225, which is like a cool number. That's a cool number. Yeah. I like the number. And this is, we're the end of this summer season. So we're taking a little break here at Heritage Radio. My next show with Scott Conant is going to be on September 11th. So tune in then. Enjoy the rest of the summer. And thank you always for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. 
Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. And thanks for listening.